Exodus chapter 33, I'm looking at verse 13. Uh, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Um, this is Moses is sort of asking God some questions. He's saying, hey, you've asked me to bring this people up out of Egypt. You asked me to do some things. And, um, you know, so now he asks God in, in, in verse 13, he says, now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. He has the right perspective, doesn't he? He has the right perspective. And he said, God, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, Moses saying to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, he's saying, if, if you don't go with us, God, then I'm not going. I'm, I, I, matter, matter of fact, I ain't going. You ain't going, I ain't going. We put, he put it that way. And uh, he said, uh, you, uh, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? How will we know that we'll have grace except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Now, I know that if you read the Gospels and you read some things that Jesus said to his disciples and to the body of Christ, he said that, listen, you need to love one another as I love you. And if you love one another, that is how all people will know that you are my disciples. You remember Jesus saying that? But here's one thing that we have to remember. Not everyone who is saved is a disciple. So you have to choose to be a disciple, a disciplined one. He'll call you, throw down your nets and follow me. He'll call you. But you have to make the choice to throw down your net and follow him. He said, listen, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And so it requires something of us to be a disciple. So how the world will know that we're disciples of Christ is that we love one another. But how will people know that we're even children of God? The way that they'll know we're children of God is that we will have his presence with us everywhere that we go. Everywhere that I go, I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded everywhere that I go, not just at church on Sunday morning, not just when I pray before I go to bed, but when I go to the grocery store, when I'm in class with a teacher that I don't like, when I'm at work with a boss that gets on my nerves. Come on now. When I'm with family and they're getting on my nerves, your presence is with me. Your presence is with me. You know, we've often heard this adage. I know I've said it several times. I can't be in two places at once. You ever heard that? I can't be in two places at once. I just can't do it all. Well, you know what? There is someone who can be in two places at once. <laughs> and that is the Almighty Father. God, our Father, can. Why? Because of His omni, what? Come on. Presence. Omnipresence is an aspect of God's 
infinite character, his makeup. It is really who he is, and it transcends the limitations of space and time. God is omnipresent. It's important for us to understand that we cannot have faith really separate from his presence. We can't have healing. We can't have victory. We can't have deliverance. All of those things. We can't have his grace. We can't have his mercy separate from his presence. God's presence is not only imperative for a prosperous, thriving spiritual life. His presence is vital for our everyday practical life. Whatever you do every day, watching TV, going to a movie, hanging out with friends, his presence is imperative and it's vital that he be with us every moment of every day. In Genesis, we find God's presence in the Garden of Eden. You know, it's interesting. Here's how important the presence of the Lord is. The scripture, the Bible opens with the presence of God and it ends in Revelation with the presence of God. We see in the garden that those image bearers of God, Adam and Eve, walk through the garden and God speaks to them. His presence is with them the whole time. And then in Revelation, we see all of heaven has collided with earth to make a perfect sanctuary for God to what? Dwell. The word is tabernacle, but it means dwell with mankind. And all of God's people will enjoy his presence for all of eternity. All of eternity. You know, I started by saying there's so many things that we want from God. We want healing from God. We want prosperity. These are things he promised us. We want prosperity. We want deliverance. We want the abundant life that Jesus promised us. We want all of those things. We want to be able to overcome. We want to be able to be leaders. We want to be able to be influencers. We want to have and live a, a, a decent life. We want others to be good to us as we're good to them. There are so many things that we want from God and we pray and we answer altar calls and we do all sorts of things and ask God for things. And here's the thing, God doesn't mind. He doesn't mind. God has big shoulders. He'll take what He said, listen, ask of me. Seek my face while it may be found. God said, come to me. Seek my face. But I think one of the things that we're not understanding about God is that now, you know, there's a scripture in, in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. And it talks, I think some people misunderstand it sometimes uh, from, from my revelation of it. Uh, it's, you know, it talks about therefore leaving the first principles of God, uh, the doctrine of laying on of hands and water baptism and, re and repentance from dead works and all of these things. And I think people read that scripture or hear that scripture and they think that means don't do those things anymore now we're doing something else and that's not what God is saying he's saying that's a foundation now we're building on those things we're going on unto maturity it's not that you leave those things but now they become second nature they become second nature repentance from dead works becomes second nature to you and so here's here the thing is all of these things that we need so desperately from God, which are healing and deliverance and all of these things. Listen, God is saying, I'm trying to get you to a place where those things become second nature. 
I'm trying to get you to a place where you don't have to beg me for healing, where you don't have to just cry all night for deliverance. And how he gets us to that place is he invites us into his presence. His presence. In his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures evermore. We can't even count them. God is saying, listen, come to my presence. It's kind of like, uh, you, you know, when you're, you're maybe you're very little and it's kind of like if you were standing outside of your, your home where your mother and father were and you're asking for things. Can you give me a little bit of money? Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And your mom and dad are saying, listen, just come home. Just come into the house. Everything you need, you have food, shelter, everything you need is here. It's like the prodigal son, he came to himself. He said, wait a minute, even my father's servants are treated better than this. Everything I need is in his presence. It's in his presence. And so God, even this morning, is inviting us into his presence. Now, presence is a word that speaks to the demeanor, the countenance, or the air. You know what I mean? Just the air of a person who is there with you, who's visible, concrete in nature. And I wanted to give you this, my definition of presence, because when we think of presence, we say, well, God is, you just said he's omnipresent. Yeah, he is omnipresent. God is everywhere. He can't be nowhere. Okay, think about that for a moment. God is everywhere and he can't be nowhere. All right. So he's omnipresent. But the presence I'm talking about, the presence of God that is the fullness of joy, the presence of God that at his right hand there are pleasures evermore, is his manifest presence. In other words, we know God is here. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, God is with me. His air, there's a, there's a presence, it's, it's concrete. There's no doubt in my mind that God is walking with me. That's the presence that God wants to put upon you. That's the presence that he's inviting you into. And I think about one of the places that we find God's presence uh, in that nature very often is at church. We need to understand that we are the church and we carry that with us, but it's a good place to start. In church, we can find the presence of God. And if you can't find it anywhere else, you ought to be able to come to church and find the presence of God. There's a, how do you know? There's a certain atmosphere that, you know, when the manifest presence of God is there. We know that God's omnipresence is always there. He's everywhere. But have you ever been to a church service and it just didn't feel like God was there? I don't know. Maybe you haven't. But I've been in church a long time. And there have been some services I've been in that kind of seemed like, well, I mean, if the Lord was here, he must have been tired. I mean, I don't know. He, must, he was working out or something. And uh, now he's taking a rest. <laughs> and, you know, it's not God's fault. Because I think when people bring his presence, if people, it's not about having a, just a good attitude. But I think when people come with an expectation, come with an expectation of what God will do. Come with an excitement 
about God. We, we, we bring his presence and there's a certain atmosphere that, that God's presence brings. And in church and everywhere in our lives, we want a presence driven atmosphere about us. Why? Because a presence-driven atmosphere, here it is, it's number one, it's conducive for a move of the Spirit of God. You want God to move? Listen, bring, and come into His presence. Come into His presence with singing. Come into His presence, come on, with expectation. It's conducive for a, a, a move of the Spirit. Next, it's attractive to the lost, those that don't know the Lord. All right, when they see the presence of God and people rejoicing, it's attractive to them. It's a preparation for the hurt to be healed. Just an atmosphere that those who are hurt, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's in your soul, whether it's your heart, when there's a presence of God, it's, it's just an atmosphere for healing. And it's encouraging for the gifts of the Spirit to flow. Turn over with me to one other scripture, Psalm 91. Let's just go down through the first 16 verses and listen to how the psalmist puts this. Psalm 91, I'm reading again from the New King James Version, but whatever version you have will end up at the same place together. Let's just read uh, that whole chapter. Starts by saying this, he says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, in other words, where his presence is, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers. And under His wings you shall take refuge. You starting to feel good about His presence now? Come on. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Verse 6, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. You don't have to fear it because of his presence. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked in other words you're going to look over at them you're not going to participate in their reward <laughs> come on and verse 9 because you have made the lord who is my refuge even the most high your dwelling place he's asked you to come into his presence and you have made him your dwelling place you have made him your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. Now listen, I just, I know I'm going through this kind of slow, but I want you to just take note of some of these scriptures because sometimes we read some things or we hear some things and we let it pass us by. And, and, and this is one of those verses, no evil shall befall you. I'd like to look at every word. No, what does that mean? No, no, nunca, none. What is it? No, no, no evil. No evil shall befall you. Take God at his word. He said it. I didn't say it. No evil shall befall you. Believe it. Believe it. 
No evil shall befall you, nor shall any pl plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. These are ministering spirits for you. Come on. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Verse 14, because he has set, he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. Remember last week, you can't run from his love. <laughs> he set it upon you. I will set him on high because he knows my name. Come on now. He knows my name. That's right. God knows my name. Yeah. He shall call upon me and I'll answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You're starting to understand that the presence of the Lord is where you need to be. Come on. We need to be in the presence of the Lord. Why would we go anywhere else? Everything is in the presence of the Lord. You want healing? In the presence of the Lord. You want deliverance? In the presence of the Lord. You want you need some money to pay off that loan? Come on. Presence of the Lord. <laughs> presence of the Lord. You need some knowledge? You need wisdom about your situation? Presence of the Lord. Presence of the Lord. You have, you have to understand that a presence atmosphere, it's, it's marked by God's manifest presence. He is there. It's marked by Holy Spirit moving. Some things happen in the presence of the Lord. I mean, some people are healed for real. I mean, for real in the presence of the Lord. And people are delivered from all kinds of things in the presence of the Lord. There's transformation. Loving Jesus, transforming lives. God will transform you in his presence. There's an open heaven. You ever heard of that? Open heaven. What you need? Tell me. Tell me, God's saying, tell me, what do you need? What you want? Tell me, what do you need? I know you better than yourself. <laughs> Come on, tell me, talk to me, God is saying. There's a river flowing. That means, that here's, here's, what, here's why I threw this one in there is because a lot of us, uh, you know, a lot of us think that there's a one-time event. I answer an altar call, I go to one service, that service sure was good, you know, and that was that service. That was that one chance. That was my one time. No, no, no. God said there's a river flowing. Let the river flow. Let the river flow. The presence of God is a river and it just flows. It comes out of Jerusalem and it just flows on down. Come on. There is a river. Jump in the river. And in the presence of God, there is power. There is power, power in the presence of God. We saw that Moses asked to know God better. He said, now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might know you. That's the question we need to ask. God, show me your way, please, that I may know you. Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is near to all those who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth, in truth. And in Acts 1, 14, God's presence is there when we are all on one accord. When we're on one accord, that's the key to it. Acts 1.14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer 
and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were all on one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were what? On one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Do you understand that this is the manifest presence of God? He is here in this place. We can believe it. He's not somewhere way off in the universe, way out there that we have to call and uh, wait for an answer one day. No, he's here. The kingdom of God is in you. God is near unto you. He just wants to hear from you. He just wants to hear from you. And here it is today. I just want to touch on this. I want to talk about some things in this series that are cyclical. They're cyclical. In other words, things that produce God's presence and really produce is not the right word. Really what I want to say is uh, that we enable us to see his presence. All right. Things that we do that enable us to see his presence. And then what his presence produces for us is cyclical. And one of those things today we're just going to touch on is the power of a praying church. The power of a praying church. Because the presence of God produces a praying church. When God's presence is here, you'll, it'll be marked because people are praying. People are praying. Come on. Isaiah 56, 7 says, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Jesus said this is a house of what? Prayer. Matthew 21, 23 said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. You have made it a den of thieves. You come and you take and you sell and you do all kinds of things in my house. But my house should be a house of prayer. By the way, by the way, can I just throw something at you? That when you think of this, and in the physical, Jesus is saying, uh, it, it's, it's, the, it's the temple, it's the church building. Here's going to be a house of prayer. But can I tell you something? Where does God live? Where does he really live? Come on. Where does he set up camp? My house shall be a house of prayer. Don't wait till you get to the physical building to start praying. Because <laughs> this house is a house of prayer. Come on, somebody. My house shall be a house of prayer. His house cannot be called a house of prayer unless the people in the house pray. Our prayer life might just be that, a life of prayer. We must pray. Listen, we must pray in our solitary, in our quiet time. You go, that's the time where you go into your closet. You know, one scripture says in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he, Jesus, went and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. So in our solitary and quiet time, we pray. You can pray with your family, your friends. Uh, it's good to have to be accountable, to have a prayer partner that you pray with once a week, once a month, every day, whatever it might be. You know, just have a prayer partner, have somebody you pray with, pray corporately with your local church. Come together and pray. Pray corporately. Why should the church pray? Why? Why should we pray? Three reasons. Because prayer changes things. We've heard that before. Prayer changes people. And prayer changes churches. You don't like something about your church? Pray. <laughs> prayer changes it. 
We see clearly in Scripture that things started to happen when these Christians prayed. In fact, the miraculous happened. Great things happened. Supernatural happened. There should never be a time when the church should not pray. Should not be a time we say, well, we're going into a season now of no prayer. We're going to do something different this season. From now until September, no prayer. We're going to do something different. No, 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 no. You know, I've, I've, I've said this before. You know, it's like, you know, when you go to McDonald's. What do they have at McDonald's? Hamburgers. You go there, hamburger. You go to Pizza Hut. You don't go to Pizza Hut uh, looking for linguine. Well, I don't know today, you know, they, everything's so mixed up, you might, but I wouldn't. I go looking for pizza. Prayer is like that with the church. You come into the house of God, you ought to, be, you ought to find prayer. There ought to be some prayer, be some prayer in your life and prayer in the church. First Thessalonians 5.16 says, rejoice always. What did Paul say? Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus that's in you. Come on. And to not pray, can I tell you this? I want to throw this at you, and I've been easing my way up. But I just want to throw this at you before we go. To not pray is actually sin if you're a Christian. First Samuel chapter 12 says, moreover, 1223. If you want to write 1 Samuel 1223, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Far be it from me to stop praying for you. Just because you offended me. Mm. Just because you don't do things the way I want you to do them. Sin. But here's what we can rely on. There's, there's, praying brings results. And we don't serve God for results. We serve him because he is simply God. But here's the results of a praying church. First of all, it brings in the manifest presence. We know that. It brings in the manifest presence of God when we pray. We're talking about the presence of God. How do we get that manifest presence? How do I see God? It seems like I come to church and I don't see him. But it brings in the manifest presence when we pray. Because in Acts 4.31 it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Secondly, it brings healing. Over in Acts chapter 9, it says, but Peter put them all out. He knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Come on. Praying brings healing. God hears us and he speaks to us. Over in Acts 10.30, so Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour at the ninth hour. I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. God will speak to you and let you know in your spirit that your prayer has been heard. You might say, well, I've never had a man dressed in white stand in front of me. This really, uh, Jesus said, now you have the, the Holy Spirit in you. I have poured my spirit out upon you and you will know in your heart of hearts that I am with you and that I hear your prayer. And then chains are loosed and doors are opened when we pray. Acts 16, 25 and 26, but and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and everyone's bands were loosed. 
Come on. Suddenly there was a great earthquake and everybody was set free. Chains are loosed when we pray. Why does it seem like I'm always in this? It seems like I'm stuck in mud and it just seems like there are things that are heavy upon me. Have you tried praying? Have you tried praying? It breaks chains loose. Lastly, I just want to touch on the interceding church. That's what we want to strive to be. The interceding church prevails against the gates of hell. The interceding church prevails against the gates of hell. Remember back in Matthew 16, 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, this revelation that you have, I will build my church. And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. We're a moving church. The gates of hell can't stop us. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep moving. And then the interceding church uses the keys to bind and loose. Do you realize the power and what God has put in your hand if you would pray? Down in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 16, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's a, that could be a whole nother message about what you say and what you speak. Come on. Because you say it, God will agree with it. Heaven will agree with it. Heaven will agree with it. You know what? I am going to overcome. I am going to be out of debt in Jesus' name. And I, I, I'm going to be on top in Jesus' name. Heaven said, I agree with it. But likewise, you know, it just seems like uh, everything's coming down on me. And I'm always sick. And I'm just always going to be sick. And I'm never going to have any money. Guess what? Heaven said, I agree with it. Hey, whatever you bind on heaven... I mean, what if you bind on earth is bound in heaven? Whatever you loose on earth, come on. Heaven said, go for it. That's what you say. Go for it. <laughs> and then third, the interceding church rebuilds the broken down hedges. It rebuilds, the, the, the interceding church builds something up. Come on. And then lastly, the interceding church repairs and stands in the gap. Here's what we want to, need to know. That if we're going to be a church that realizes the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. By the way, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, this is where everything you need is. What do you need? Do you need healing for your soul? Healing for your spirit? What do you need? Do you need wisdom in a situation at work, in your relationship? What is it that you need? Are you in so much debt that you have no idea how to even begin to think about uh, trying to get out of it? Come on, you've been there? Uh, what do you need? What is it that you need? God is saying, come into my presence because he's not just going to give you a fish to eat. You come to the presence of God, he's not just going to satisfy you one time. And I think that's what some of us are afraid of. We're afraid that, uh, you know, if we go into the presence of God, uh, he, he's going to start talking to me. My, my father-in-law was that way. You know, if I, if I went to him for advice, I knew it was just going to be a conversation. Don't plan nothing else the afternoon. It's going to be, I just ask him one thing. Dad, what do you think about this sermon? Well, let's talk about it. Let me go get my concordance. And see, we know we go into the presence of God because he wants to spend time with you. He wants to show you how to overcome every time, not just this time. God wants to show you how to never be hungry or thirsty again. God wants to show you how to be an overcomer, not just overcome. And I think sometimes that's what we're afraid of. 
And so God is saying, come into my presence. And the first way we do that is pray. 